0: Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahi. And I'm Yasmin ammer If you're new to our podcast, welcome. We'll be back with a new season in March. But until then, we're going to share some awesome bonus episodes with you, like this one. But if you haven't yet, this is now a great time to go back and listen to our last season.
1: So Yasmin, it's 2020 now, and I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like people all around me are a lot more motivated about their resolutions. Maybe it's a new decade thing. I don't know. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. New decade, new me. I actually love New Year's resolutions. I do them every year, even if I don't really meet them. So this year, I want to read more books, maybe once a month. And you know how last year I told you I wanted to learn Spanish?
1: Yes, yes. And I I thought I was helping you along with that. No bueno. So
0: I kind of want to pick it back up, but I actually want to be a little bit more serious about it. So what about you? Um, Do you have any resolutions?
1: I'm not huge into resolutions, but I really want to read more. That's a big one for me. I want to read more. Um, I want to journal more. I think I just kind of want to have more downtime like unplanned time because i like to over schedule myself oh yeah so that's i think that's kind of more of a goal for me but the big one for me is is reading more books just for fun
0: i think that's great so i usually do like different categories of resolutions like usually they're like fitness this is my fitness goal and one of them is like this is my financial goal this is how much i want to save and then one of them is this miscellaneous category I never really know what to call it, but it's like a better your heart goal. So for me, that's in the past, it's been something like volunteering or journaling, like you just said. I haven't decided what this year's going to be, but I really like this one idea from one of our recent guests.
1: I love this idea, and I'm really glad we're going to get to share it with our listeners. We got the chance to speak to Nancy Davis Coe, and she's the author of a book called The Thank You Project. In 2016, Nancy celebrated her 50th birthday, and she wanted to do something to mark that milestone. So she started writing thank you letters to all of the people and places
0: and things that made a difference in her life. Little did she know that spending one year writing these thoughtful letters would have such a profound impact on her.
2: Every week, I sat down on Friday afternoons to write my one letter, and I would sit and fill up a page about why somebody had been important in my life, and I could physically feel my shoulders relaxing, my jaw unclenching, just a sense of calmness and and peace would wash over me, and I realized that the gratitude letters were helping me refocus Every week, I could think, no matter how many horrible things that happened that week, I could think, okay, I have this one person in my corner, and it was just a really amazing way to do a reset.
0: Nancy, I'd love to hear an example of one of the letters you wrote.
2: Sure. I'd love to share one that didn't make it into the book, but I really enjoyed writing this to my daughter's pediatric nurse. Her name's Jen, uh, and I wrote, Dear Jen. I'm writing because I turned 50 last year and decided to write a thank you note to 50 people who have made a difference in my life. For the care, consistency, and compassion you've shown Maddie and Lucy as their pediatric nurse since they were each only a few days old, I had to include you on that list. Your reassurance and skill have made my job as their mom easier, and I'm deeply grateful for that. You and I have probably stared together at those children on the exam table a hundred times in the past 18 years but there are a few visits that really stood out to me. One was when Maddie was about 10 months old and you said, I just love seeing how you two are together. It was a tiny sentence, but it was such a confidence boost to a new mom from a professional who saw moms and their children all day long, whether you meant it or not. I took it as a sign that I was doing okay with my baby girl. I also remember that horrible period when Lucy was five weeks old and was hospitalized with RSV. She came through it unscathed, but when I brought her in for a checkup a couple days after she was discharged, you took one look at me and understood what I was unable to say out loud. I was about three feet past the end of my rope and gasping for help, and you saw that and you rescued me. I believe the prescription was for my husband to get both girls out of the house so I could sleep uninterrupted for basically a day. I consider that nap the only reason I didn't fall into postpartum depression." My kids are thriving and confident and hardworking and smart, and I remember occasionally, but never enough, to give thanks that they are healthy on top of it. For your role in keeping them that way, I am so grateful. With thanks, Nancy.
0: You're so specific. You you gave very specific compliments and very specific examples.
2: Well, the nice thing I learned in writing the book, I really wanted to understand the science behind why gratitude letters worked on me so well. And one of the things they talk about is positive recall bias. So what that means is uh, you can train yourself to look for positive things by looking for positive things. So it's really like working a gratitude muscle. And it got yeah, you know, I loved that part of trying to figure out specifically what it was. I think you're right. I'm sure Jen saw 70 kids a day or however many her, course, <laughs> her, her caseload was. She doesn't remember the specifics, but I can remember them because I only had two kids and I know every time they were sick. And she was so reassuring that it was it made my job easier and that was the kind of thing I wanted to make sure she understood.
1: Nancy, you talk about how transformative this was to yourself. You just told us about how it physically affected you. But I want you to take us back to your first letter. You know, who did you write it to? What were you feeling when you were writing it? How did you start? You know, take us back.
2: I wanted to start with my mom in part because she has dementia. I felt that, uh, you know, there was some time urgency to that. Thank you, Mom. Thank you for being such a warm, affectionate, supportive, funny mother, someone who pulled off the deceptively simple trick of creating a home that served both as a sanctuary and a launch pad for Sally, Larry, and me. I joke about it with my writer friends. My damn parents were so nice, they didn't give me any material to write a memoir about. But they know, I know, and you know, that our family life was the best gift you could ever give me. One of the things that I realized as I wrote to her is that I needed to apologize to her because I had this fiction in my head that I was a really easy kid for her to raise, that I had not given her any problems. Well, as a mom of two teenage girls at the time, I knew that that could not have been true. <laughs> it's just not its not humanly possible for a teenage girl to not give her mother some grief. So that really was the first instance, but not the last, where forgiveness came into play with this project because... When you're thinking about someone who has made a difference in your life, maybe there are old resentments that you're holding on to, or you think, well, this person does all these good things for me, but they haven't shown up for me in this other way. And I found that writing the letters really fostered a sense of forgiveness toward the people I was writing. And in some cases, it really It made me wanna make amends. It made me wanna be a better friend, a better relative because I'd been the beneficiary of so much kindness in my life. I think of an essay I read a couple of years ago about a woman who feels herself becoming invisible to her family and realizing that she's like air. Who thinks about air? But then again, what do you do without it? I'm saying now what I was too young and dumb to understand then. You are the root source of the happiness and stability in my life. You have always taught me so much, from the flashcards that made me an early reader to that moment when I was 22, to last week when you and Dad took my aunt to the doctor and showed me once again what familial love and devotion should look like. I love you, Mom. I'm just so incredibly lucky to be your daughter.
1: You wrote all these letters; they're beautiful, and you sent them to people. But I'm curious if you wrote any letters that you didn't send.
2: Oh, sure, I did. <laughs> in fact, those were some of my favorite letters to write because as I got to, I think I was probably in the somewhere in the 30s, and it occurred to me I don't have to mail these letters. So by that time, I'd really gotten good at thinking about you know who has helped shaped and inspired me, and I realized well some of my ex-boyfriends, you know, taught me some lessons about what not to look for in a partner. And, you know, some of my terrible bosses were so terrible that I quit jobs and found jobs I liked better. So, that was very freeing to realize that there were le- I could write the letter and gain all of these tangible benefits of expressing gratitude. Without putting the letter in the mail. All of the good stuff comes when you write the letter, not when you deliver it.
1: Boy, do I have some thank you notes (laughs) I need to send. (laughs) I wasn't
2: thinking thank you notes, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) But listen, this is, I think you should try it and let me know how it goes. Because if you can look back and say to your lousy ex, oh, you were a really good cook and you always picked up the tab for me and you always held doors open for me, maybe you weren't crazy to have been with that person, you know? Maybe you were making the best judgment you could at the time with the information you had. We learn things through positive and negative examples. So you don't have to send the letter. They don't need to know any of that, but it's a good way for you to reframe stuff and I think foster a sense of self-empathy that you did the best you could at the time.
0: How do you think a year of writing thank you letters has changed you as a person?
2: I... Try to just cut people slack. Everybody's doing their best, and uh, I I do think it has made me a lot quicker to find the upside in whatever situation I'm in, or with or with whomever I'm spending time with.
0: And you didn't go into this thinking that any of that would happen.
2: No, it's just writing thank you notes. It's just I was just trying to you know kill time before my fiftieth birthday party. No, I did not see any of this coming. So I uh, inadvertently stumbled into something pretty powerful.
0: Well, Nancy Davis Coe, thank you so much for being with us.
2: I really appreciate you guys having me on. I love your show.
0: That was Nancy Davis Coe. She's a Bay Area-based writer and author of the book, The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikis and Matt Reed do our sound design, and Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Yasmina Amar.
1: And I'm reporter and producer Andrea Asuaje. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter called The Care Package. We'll send you lots of good stories straight to your inbox every Saturday morning. Sign up on our website, wbur.org slash kind world.
0: Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.